Rockstar Energy Punch, bringing a bold and unapologetic flavor packed with energy through a blend of B vitamins, guarana extract, and 240 milligrams of caffeine to fuel what's next. Rockstar Energy Drink. And welcome to Across the County. I'm Noah. Thanks for joining me. Well, I am actually pretty in awe that I'm able to do this particular interview because there was a book I picked up. If you guys are not familiar with radio stations, there's usually the table where you get all the, the, the different books that have been coming into the radio station or other other freebies and people pass things around. Well, there was a book that was put on that table so many years ago. And when I saw that there was a wrestling ring on it, I was instantly enamored because if you have listened to me for any length of time, you'll know one of my true passions in life is professional wrestling. I have absolutely loved it my entire life. My sons love it as well. We make a whole experience out of it. We do all the behind the scenes stuff. It's really just quite fascinating, especially when you dive into the lives of some of these sports entertainers or professional wrestlers in many aspects, including the spiritual perspective. And I was recently clearing out my books and reorganizing, and I came across the Wrestling with God book, which is the name of the, just, I think, one of the greatest spiritual books on wrestling that I can recall coming into my own collection. And I said, you know what? I can't believe I have never done this before because I interviewed one of the people in the book, Steve Borden, you know him as Sting. Let's reach out to the author, find out why he did this, why he wrote the book, what went into it. Chad Bonham is my guest today on Across the County and tremendously excited to have him on the show. He's been working in media for over 20 years, quite the career, and he's written quite a bit for numerous publications such as Revelant, CCM, Christian Retailing, New Man, Charisma, Today's Christian, Ministries Today, and so many others. He's currently writing two feature columns for beliefnet.com called Inspiring Athletes and Whole Notes Inside the Christian Music Scene. He has also authored and contributed to over 12 books, including the one we're talking about today. Tremendously excited, Chad. Welcome to Across the County. How are you? Noah, I'm doing great. And man, you got me excited about this book again. You know, when when we talked a few weeks ago, uh, you had me jacked up then. You got me jacked up right now. I'm ready to go off the top rope. Well, I'm going to move out of the way. No elbow drop right here, man, but let's go full <laughs> force. Yeah. And you said that you've got, because this is a book back from 2001, that you've got some late response on it. And I'm actually glad to be one of those people because I think it's tremendous when you find out about some of these pro wrestlers and their struggles, because they are struggles with faith and how they ultimately have come to God and just better their lives. It's tremendously fascinating. And pro wrestling, always a passion of mine, started way back in the era of Mr. T, who's also a born-again Christian and just a fascinating individual. He actually even did some Hurricane Katrina cleanup and then kind of changed some of the things in his life. But, I mean, I was enamored with him back in WrestleMania two against Rowdy Roddy Piper in the boxing match. When did it kind of hit you, pro wrestling? Uh, a little before that, <laughs> but that's probably because I'm a few years older than you. But um, when uh, my family, we're from Oklahoma, and we moved to Texas for a year. And then when I was about nine or ten years old, we moved back to Oklahoma. And specifically, we relocated to the uh, Tulsa area. And uh, it was the early, uh, early 80s. And there was a phenomenon that had kind of started in the late 70s 
and was really picking up steam called Mid-South Wrestling. Yeah. And if you know anything about the history of wrestling, it's a big deal because it was started by an Oklahoma legend named Cowboy Bill Watts. Right. And then uh, it was actually where Jim Ross uh, basically cut his teeth as an announcer. Uh, yeah, one Ted of the greatest DiBiase. of all time. Yeah, and then you had Ted DiBiase, Junkyard Dog, Kamala, uh, Dr. Death Steve Williams, Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Those guys all really broke big uh, in, in wrestling. And so this would come on television sometimes late Friday, sometimes Saturday, uh, mid-morning, early afternoon. And I, I watch TV all the time on the weekends. I love television, sports in particular. And and so this just caught my attention immediately. I'd never seen pro wrestling, probably about 10 years old. And uh, I remember I would beg my dad. I was like, Dad, we got to go down to the fairgrounds pavilion and go see this because it would roll through Tulsa every every two or three weeks. It would go through Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, uh, and and up into Tulsa. And we never could go. I think partly because you know we really didn't have a lot of money. Probably couldn't afford it. But uh, I watched it religiously every every weekend and just fell in love with it. All the and then that kind of led me into WWF. You know, the old school Saturday morning stuff with. Obviously, Hulk Hogan, Andre the Giant, Ultimate Warrior, Lex Luger, Randy Savage, you know, Roddy Piper. You mentioned him earlier. I mean, that was really my, you know, foray into wrestling. It was kind of that that early 80s into kind of the explosion of uh, WWF, what it was called back then, uh, on the old Saturday morning show they used to do with the WWF superstars. So, yeah, that's kind of how I got into it. Yeah, it's been amazing. And way past the end of his career, I actually at the fairgrounds here in San Diego was able to see an older honky tonk man. I actually got a picture somewhere in the archive. So that was pretty tremendous for me. But the 80s were great because the 80s, that's when wrestling with they were these larger than life characters, Chad, almost like comic book characters. And some of them, you know, especially if they were the faces, I mean, you looked up to these guys. And, you know, they helped you kind of get through some tough times. If you were a kid growing up, it was quite amazing. And as I grew in faith over the years, there would be certain characters or angles that I couldn't get behind. But I found it fascinating when I discovered wrestlers that either already had or eventually developed a relationship with Christ, especially when I got really serious into Christianity. And the first one that I knew about was Shawn Michaels, who was... The very first discovery for me in the realm of Christianity and then tying it to pro wrestling. Uh, what was your first one? What do you remember discovering as a man of faith? I don't know when you were saved, so that probably ties into it as well. And then second follow-up question, what was the actual catalyst for you writing this amazing book? Yeah, I mean, I grew up in a, in a Christian home. My parents were um, in the ministry, and uh, church uh, ministry when I was really young. So I was always, you know, um, you know, I, I got saved when I was a little kid. I, I got more serious about it when I was in high school. But I would say that, you know, I was always kind of attuned to what was going on uh, in the secular world, I guess, with Christians that were maybe in, involved in, in certain places that maybe they weren't expected to be uh, involved, like in the entertainment industry, music and film and in sports in particular. But, you know, I was a typical sports fan. I wasn't always that concerned about whether they were Christians or not. But I think as I got older, especially in high school and college, that's when I was really interested to find out, well, who are the guys out there that are representing the Lord, you know, that have faith and are living in this really interesting environment that kind of a lot of times will contradict 
you know, they're, they're kind of, you know, out there in a world that kind of contradicts and doesn't really always accept who they are and what they believe. So, um, you know, I've always been fascinated by that. And in college, especially when I started writing uh, as a freshman, that's when I really started to kind of try to find stories. And, um, you know, out of college, I was, I was just thinking, you know, I wanted to write and I thought, you know, maybe I just write a book someday. Maybe the Lord will bless me with one book. You know, if I could at least do one book in my lifetime, I think that'd be pretty cool. And, um, and what happened was I was still watching wrestling quite a bit and I started hearing about Sting actually. Uh, some stories were coming out about Sting being a Christian and having, uh, found Christ and how his life had been radically changed. And so I got really interested in his story, and I followed him quite a bit. He was with WCW at the time, and uh, that was when they had the big WCW, you know, WWF wars. And, and oh, I was 90s. all WCW, my friend. <laughs> I was too, actually. That was that was my jam, you know, it was WCW. And what happened was um, I was writing for – it was a, a division of Charisma magazine that doesn't exist anymore. I think they still do some things online, but it was called New Man Magazine. Okay. And I just pitched, I pitched this idea. I was like, you know, what if I did a story about this Sting guy, you know, and I've heard about his testimony. So they said, go chase it down. And honestly, I don't even remember now how I got to him. I think it was through his brother. Uh, his brother was a pastor out in Santa Clarita, uh, California, which is also where uh, Sting was living at the time. And, uh, and so I reached out to him through his brother's church. I'm pretty sure that's how it went down. And he helped me get it set up. And I did an interview with him over the phone, did a story. They turned it into the cover story, you know, back when they, you know, still printed tons of magazines. Oh, yeah. And, saw them all over the place. and he was on the cover and it was this really bold, big, huge, uh, you know, kind of like, I mean, it wasn't life size, full size. It was mostly just, you know, his, his, his face, you know, it was huge with his paint on and it, it just caught your attention. <clears throat> I was so excited to have that story come out. And then I got to, you know, then hearing that there were some other people. Obviously, I, I knew about Ted DiBiase by then, uh, being a Christian. I started exploring that, finding out more and more testimonies of wrestlers, some some former, some current. And um, and so then I did another article uh, less than a year later for New Man. It was this asking the question, is there a revival, a Christian revival taking place in pro wrestling? Because it seemed that that was the case. And so I interviewed a few other guys. And um, that was another article came out. And so I, I, I had a publishing company that I knew of here in Tulsa that I went to and I approached. I said, what if I did a, a book, you know, about uh, some of the stories of these guys? And uh, I pitched it around to different places. And I landed here in Tulsa at this uh, company called River Oak Publishing. Doesn't even exist anymore, by the way. Uh, and, uh, you know, they, they, they went on for about another 10, or 10 to 12 years before they sold to another company. But they they were like, yeah, let's do it. This sounds great. Wrestling's hot right now. Everybody loves the WCW, WWF. And we can market this thing. Uh, you got some big names that you might be able to get. Go for it. And so I was able to get 10, 10 guys to agree to participate. You know, I used my interview with Sting. I uh, went out and got other interviews with Tatanka, uh, Nikita Koloff, Ivan Koloff, um, B. Brian Blair. Uh, let's see. Um, and, you know, a couple lesser known guys, but it was still really some compelling stories uh, of this, the crazy lifestyle those guys lived, especially in the you know 70s and 80s. And even through the early 90s, they're just driving around in their cars and in vans from city to city. And Oh, being on the road, you know, most of the year away from their families. I mean, it was quite the lifestyle. We'll put it that way. Well, and they were taking, you know, like basically, you know, 
drugs to keep them awake on the road, you know, like uh, they didn't have monster energy drinks back then, you know, so they were taking basically like, you know, uh, things to keep them awake and alert on the road. There was like all kinds of stories of guys that nearly died in car crashes because they could stay awake. And, and, and um, the biggest, I think, the challenge that I had with this book was dealing with some of the, the trust issues that these guys had developed over the years of working with wrestling promoters and with the big companies like WCW and WWF. And sure. they, they essentially were like, they questioned a lot of things. They wanted to make sure that they were going to be involved in, you know, getting a percentage of the royalties. And I mean, I had to do contracts with all 10 guys to get them, you know, their little percentage each and, and uh, which wasn't really much at the end of the day, but it was still just something I had to do and some hoops I had to go through to show to them that I really wanted to tell their story and I would do whatever it took to make it happen. So, um, you know, it was crazy. I, I just, I didn't think it was going to be that hard, but it was, it was pretty difficult because these guys really, I mean, Ted DiBiase was probably him and Tatanka were maybe two of the guys that I had the least problems with. They seemed like they were more adjusted in their faith and they had kind of gotten over some of those trust issues. But a lot of the other guys were definitely still in the middle of just not really having resolved those things in their heart, you know, because it, it was it was it was tough sledding for, for the first few months trying to put this book together. Yeah, I would imagine that it was. And in case you want to check out the book, it's called WWG Wrestling with God. Life's greatest battles don't happen in the ring. Ten stories of modern day warriors who came face to face with the creator. It's exactly what they did. And some of these, it was on again, off again, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, Chad, it was a struggle. They didn't have, when you wrote the book, I mean, the million dollar man, Ted DiBiase, pretty solid in his Christianity. He's just uh, an inspiration to so many. What I'd like to do now, actually, is just list off a few of the people that are in this book. And you can tell me what you think just give a little snapshot of their story and then also maybe how the stories impacted you personally. The first one, we've already said, the million-dollar man, Ted DiBiase, perhaps the easiest and most recognized name on the list. Talk about, you know, it's interesting because his character on screen so different from the man he is today. Oh, man. You know, I mean, and he still plays that character off a little bit, you know, on social media for fun. And everybody knows it's not really who he is anymore. And Obviously, even whenever he was in the ring, he was never really the, the actual million-dollar man. I mean, he, he, he was making decent money, but uh, not that kind of money. But it's still, the spotlight got to him, you know, and he was a you know kind of a down-to-earth guy that came out of, uh, you know, he, he was a West Texas football player and uh, then got into the, 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 you know, the, the wrestling scene in Texas and in the, in the Southwest and obviously up in the Tulsa area and then, then hit it big. And, and honestly, he just got caught up in it. You know I mean? He was, he was on the biggest, the biggest stage when WWF was huge with, um, you know, the first few WrestleManias and, and, um, you know, he had the whole thing with every man has a price where he would buy people off and sure. I mean, he helped bring in the undertaker. Places. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And, and he was huge. I mean, he was definitely one of the top five, top six guys in the, in the, in the industry at that time. And, and then, you know, he had an issue with his, with his marriage, you know, his marriage just about fell apart because of, of just his, you know, basically being on the road and, and, uh, and, 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 and having some infidelity in, in his relationship with his wife. And, you know, he gets this phone call, phone message from his wife that says, you don't live here anymore. You know, when you come home, this isn't your house anymore because she had found out just what he'd been doing. And, and so he, he got broken down, you know, he, he was broken down, had to make a decision 
And a lot of a lot of the guys will just make that easy decision to move on and say, well, okay, I made a mistake. I guess this is over. I'll move on and find somebody new. But he, you know, he was like, no, I can't, I can't do that. This is not, this is not right. He just had some sort of conviction in his heart, you know, and some people that were actually around him to help him make the right decision, which was to do the right thing and to repair that marriage. And, and, and th- everything changed from there. You know, obviously he, 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 ha- he was able to find relationship with the Lord and he stayed in the industry for a while, but he definitely wasn't the same person. And he certainly, you know, wasn't compromising the way he was before. And now, now he's he huge in the ministry. He's ministered to so many people, right? You know, I mean, not just other wrestlers, but wrestling fans. And, and, um, you know, I've, I've had a few times to, since then to be able to talk to him. And I spent some time with him about four years ago, um, doing some How was production that? work. And that was great. You know I mean? Cause I, I hadn't talked to him in a while. So I was able to just shake his hand and say, Hey, I hope you remember me. And he's like, Oh yeah, I remember you. And we, we had met and interviewed him. I'd interviewed him in Moore, Oklahoma, uh, which is about two hours from where I live, and um, in a hotel room where he was there doing ministry. And I just, he said, come on up to the room and let's talk. And we talked for two or three hours. That's incredible, fantastic. man. And yeah, and he's such a genuine, he's a big guy, a gentle giant, though, and uh, just has a sweet spirit about him, just tenderhearted guy, and and uh, just loves the Lord and loves people and has really spent, since he, since he got his his heart right with the Lord and, and surrendered to Christ. He's really just been all about helping people uh, find their way to Christ. And uh, through a lot of ministry and, and uh, you know, a lot of even just nonprofit work and things like that, that he does in the community there in Mississippi. So uh, Ted's a great guy and, and um, definitely kind of the standard bearer when it comes to, you know, pro wrestlers who have, have uh, converted to the faith and, and are out there living the life that's, that's really um, helpful and uh, beneficial to others who, who want to try to make that decision too. Yeah. Like I was saying earlier, these people, these pro wrestlers, even if they're semi still in the business or maybe they're just retired and they, you know, they uphold that image. It's a huge ministry for them to be able to stand up, be a shining light and let their testimony lead others to the faith. Ted DiBiase, classic example Tully Blanchard is another one in the book, and he actually just finished up a run in the new AEW promotion, which I'm liking, and I didn't even actually know that he was a Christian. Tell us about Tully. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Tully Blanchard, I had found out about, I mean, just kind of asking around and everything, and 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 he had a very similar story, you know? I mean, he just was one of those guys who, um, you know, he also came out of actually West Texas State, and, and, and he had, you know... a a lot of, a lot of the same issues hit him in his career as a lot of other guys, which is uh, addictions. You know, I mean, um, painkillers lead to heavier drug use and alcoholism. And um, you know, at one point, he was his alcohol and cocaine problems were were pretty, you know, pretty significant. In fact, probably derailed his career. You know, at, at a point where he was really getting ready to be huge, and he had to leave the business for a while to kind of take care of himself and. I, you know, when he was younger, he had a, a a younger brother killed in a car accident. You know, just a lot of things, you know, um, his parents had gotten saved, but he really just, he really didn't make the turn until later. And, and I think it was, you know, when he kind of got through that, that drug addiction. And, um, and again, you know, it wasn't necessarily like there was a ton of guys around who were, who were actually <laughs> there that were lights. <laughs> for for Christ, you know, I mean, there was unique ways that the Lord really was able to speak to these guys. And uh, what really happened with Blanchard was, 
his parents were saved, you know, after, after their other son had died, had been Christians for a few years. They're sitting there watching their son go through all this stuff, uh, trying to be a big star wrestling. And they just, they had prayed for him. You know, his parents and his parents' church just continued to pray for him and pray for him until finally, you know, he found himself at a, at a church in Charlotte, North Carolina, and, and just got convicted of, of all of his stuff he was going through and all those prayers that had been going up for him finally, you know, just got through to him, and he gave his heart to Christ, you know. And so that was, um, you know, through, I think, Bill Glass Prison Ministries. He got involved with those guys and was starting to serve. And, and you know, so it's it just, again, you know, some of these guys, they'd have to hit their lowest point, you know, whether it was through a marital problem or an addiction problem or an injury, you know, that kind of, it just, it's kind of tragic. You know, we, we don't, we shouldn't have to be brought to our knees to, to, to find Christ. But and for a lot of people and a lot of us, you know, if we're stubborn enough, <laughs> it, it'll come to that. And that's what really is the story for probably most of these guys in this book is that they hit some sort of a, a rock bottom moment in their life before they realize, Hey, if I don't turn this around, I'm either going to end up, you know, in a casket or miserable for the rest of my life. And, and, and they had no choice, but to turn to God. Yeah, and we'll we'll hit the main one that actually had several of these problems. I'll mention here at the end of the show. I mean, he had the drug addiction. He was cheating on his wife. There were so many things going on. He literally hit rock bottom, and it took that to get his life turned around. But first, let's get to Hector Guerrero. I mean, who is part of a, the historic Guerrero wrestling family with his brothers, Eddie, God rest his soul, and Chavo, his nephew, Chavo Guerrero Jr., and there's more than that. I mean, what is his story? What does Hector's story mean to you? Yeah, you know, I mean, he actually has more of a stable lifestyle, honestly, because he did have support of, of the, the family, you know. I mean, it was like what, uh, what all the uncles and cousins and brothers, right? I mean, I mean, you can't – it's even hard for me the to – family like, was big. Like, yeah, it's, it's, like almost, it's like almost hard for me to keep straight which of the Guerreros are who, you know, and how they're all related. But Hector was interesting. I mean, he actually, you know, he was born in El Paso. It's funny, like a lot of these guys, at least three of them that I can think of now came out of West Texas. But, um, you know, he was, his family was from, from Mexico City, and then they moved to El Paso. And, but they were actually faithful church attenders growing up. They actually grew up in Baptist church. And, and, and so, he, you know, he gave his heart to the Lord at a young age. But just like a lot of these guys, you know, he got into um, you know, the business and it kind of pulled him away a little bit. So he didn't really have nearly as much of a rock bottom story. And, 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 and you know why? I mean, he had that foundation. I mean, that's a great lesson right there is that us, us as dads and, uh, and parents, whoever's listening, you know, grandparents, family members, I mean, setting that, that foundation of church attendance and, and community service, you know, like being involved. Makes a big difference. Life. It really, truly does makes a huge difference. And, you know, I would say that, again, you know, Hector was a guy who didn't have nearly like the, the tragic stuff happen. I think he, you know, he did get away from the Lord for a little bit, but, you know, he, he essentially had another kind of a life-changing encounter with God, um, you know, when he was, he was working with the, the NWA at the time had kind of just not really fallen away, but just was cold in his relationship. And, and so, you know, he had this encounter with God and I think it was in, um, if I recall correctly, it was in Knoxville, Tennessee. And, and, um, and he just heard God tell him, I love you like in the middle of a match, you know, 
And, and it just like, it reminded him that, you know, he had turned away from God, was not really living right, uh, not doing it again, you know, maybe anything as, as radically crazy and damaging as, as some of the other stories, but he just had to hear that still small voice remind him that, hey, you know, I'm with you in the middle of this ring. I've been with you the whole time and I never left you, but you've left me. And, and it's time for you to come back to your first love, you know, that you've known since you were a child. And so ever since then, you know, he continued going back to the, to the ring. And, um, you know, he did go through a divorce um, uh, at one point, you know, I mean, a lot of these guys, whether they cheated on their wives or not, there's such a strain on their relationships that they don't have to even necessarily have infidelity. It's just the coldness in the relationship of being on the road all the time, you know, and being apart and, and, uh, you know, away from the family and the kids. And so he did actually have something tragic happen in the fact that he did get divorced in his first marriage. But, but thankfully the Lord was able to speak to him and help him return back to his, um, you know, again, his first love, which is the Lord, which he had, you know, had it instilled in him as a child. So, so that's actually an interesting story because he's one of the few that I think were in the book that actually had a, a church background growing up. That's why I like the story of Hector. And again, check that out. One of 10 different wrestlers in the WWG Wrestling With God book, because it just shows you, I mean, you can be pretty grounded. You can have an amazing family. You can have a church life. And in any circumstance, you can really be pulled in the wrong direction away from your faith. So it was great to see Hector be able to take the reins and be called back to God. I mean, that is what it's all about. Now, the last one that I would like to hit on, Chad, is what started this whole thing, whole journey on wrestling with God for you. And it actually inspired me. You don't even know this. Maybe I had this Hmm. conversation with you when we were chatting off the air. But I interviewed Sting back in 2006. And one of the reasons I did was because I remember reading about his story, which I knew just a little bit of, and it was just a taste, but his entry in your book, Wrestling With God, and what happened to him, the road he went down, it really fascinated me, and it showed me his true character, and so I was able to reach out to his agent and get him on the show several years back in 2006. So again, thank you for writing the book, Um, but he had quite the career, still does in, in AEW, Still uh, doing some amazing things, wrestling for all four wrestling promotions, the big ones. Yeah. And but his life was almost wrecked with drugs and lifestyle choices. His marriage was just about over. But his testimony is something so special. And I believe, as he shared it back with me in 2006, that it really is kind of I don't know. Most people wouldn't make it through that, but he did. And it just it's very inspiring to me. Sting is, you know, I've always been fascinated by him because just the character, whether it was the crazy surfer guy, you know, that he kind of became known as early on and then his transformation into the, what it was called, the crow, you know, look with the the white, the black and white. The most iconic man uh, in wrestling. I agree. I, I totally agree. I mean, Hulk Hogan, you'd kind of have to put him up there too. I think those are two of, like you see those, you know, those two guys and people know who they are, you know just by the way they, you know, their outfits and the way they present themselves. And, and, uh, and Sting is, you know, his story is, is, is really crazy. You know I mean? He, he, he was involved in sports, you know, young, uh, you know, high level him and his brother both. And, you know, his brother got kind of like his life kind of together earlier, a lot earlier and got into ministry and Sting, you know, ended up on this crazy roller coaster of, I guess, you know, the, late eighties, early nineties stuff. And, and when it started to really get big and national television was picking up its interest in, and, and, and so, yeah, I mean, a lot of those guys, Sting is one of the guys of, you know, maybe a dozen or so 
who became these kind of cult figures and became, you know, very popular in the larger scene. than life. Yeah, larger than life. Everywhere they went, these people were chasing them down for autographs. I'm sure they had a lot of opportunities, kind of like you know, rock stars or or, or big name athletes. That's really the level they were at. And you know, and he's trying to have a normal life, married and everything, and. And, and just like a lot of these other guys, you know, they just, they're away from the road, they're away from the home, they're on the road all the time, and they start to get involved in, you know, things to kind of cope, you know, uh, medicate, you know, with alcohol and painkillers and different things. And, and he, he was going through all that stuff and, and everything in the service, you know, they seem to be great. And, you know, 14 years as a wrestler, he's, you know, he's away from his family and his wife and his children, and, and it was taking a toll and he didn't even realize it, you know. And so his brother was trying to share Christ with him from a distance. And, you know, there was others uh, who had gotten saved. I didn't even know this at the time, but Mark Merrow, uh, who I've actually met within the last three or four years, I didn't know this at the time until I, I, I interviewed Sting about this, that Mark Merrow and actually, strangely enough, Buff Bagwell were guys that were kind of ministering to him. And then that kind of also, um, you know, led Ted DiBiase onto the scene, you know, to try to really impact their, his life. And ultimately, though, there was um, he had a, a guy from a, a church in, uh, in Florida who was friends with DiBiase that just happened to have a chance meeting with Sting at an Orlando hotel. You know, that was the weird moment. Like, they were in town for WCW doing some filming there. And um, there was a, it was a worship pastor, I believe. Yeah, this church in Florida happened to run into to Steve Borden. You know, no, no makeup on, no nothing, but he knew who he was, and he was a friend of DiBiase's. And he just straight up asked them, you know, if you died today, do you know where you'd go? I mean, he just straight up asked them that question. Yeah, when he and, told me that as part of the story, which I knew, but hearing it come from Steve Borden, I mean, talk about being direct. I, I mean, when you're wrestling, uh, no pun intended, with your spirituality, that really gets you to think, think deeply and think quickly. Well, it's, yeah, it's certainly not something you're expecting. And I think sometimes we as believers think that, you know, we have to lead with this long relationship building thing. But when you just have one moment in time with somebody and you just feel like you're supposed to say something to impact their life. I mean, like this guy did, he just, he just went straight to the heart of the matter, you know, and asked one simple question that got Sting thinking really hard about that question. And to, to the point where he ultimately surrendered and uh, and changed everything in his life, you know, and he remained at the top of his game, but he had to change a lot of things and he had to surround himself with a lot of people and submit to pastoral leadership and really dive back into what his brother was trying to accomplish as a pastor, you know, and, and really put some guardrails in place uh, so he wouldn't have any of those things um, tempting him anymore, you know, or if they tempted him, that he would not, you know, he'd resist because now, you have the power of the Holy Spirit, you know, working with inside, inside of him to help him resist the, the drug addiction and the temptation of the women and, and, and just even the pride, you know, that goes with being in the spotlight. So, I mean, he had a second a crazy- chance, really, at, at bringing back his marriage. And I mean, that it warms my heart to see that he was able to pull it together and to completely 180 his life around. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, sometimes people think you have to step away completely from whatever you're doing to make that change. But I, you know, unless you're in a place that's completely compromising your, you know, your witness, I mean, God wants to keep you where you're at if possible. So you can continue to be a witness to others. And that's what he did. That's what he did. And what I love about staying, if you follow his career, 
he didn't remove himself from the industry that he loved, but he became more selective and he knew exactly where he wanted to be, the angles he wanted to do and who he wanted to work with. And that's a testament to the character of uh, the, the man he truly became. Absolutely. I give a lot of credit to his brother, uh, Jeff Borden, who is one of the coolest, neatest guys I've ever met. He was just such a affable, friendly guy when I got a chance to meet him. I actually, my wife and I were just newly married at the time, and we went out to California um, on a road trip, and we drove up through, up through, you know, north of LA, and and I had reached out to Jeff, and I said, hey, I'd love to come by and say hi. You know, we're going to be in the area staying with a friend who lives in Santa Clarita. And next thing you know, I'm at Jeff Borden's house, and I'm meeting Sting and his wife. You know, <laughs> and I've uh, got a picture somewhere of the of the four of us all together. And, oh, and, I'm going to uh, have to have you send that to me. That's incredible. I will. I will. And it was just fantastic because I'd already interviewed Sting at the time, and the article had already come out. And so it was just a really nice, pleasant conversation you know, and just to see the change and the, and the kind of down to earth person he had become. Um, and just to be there with his smiling, really super happy brother, Jeff, because he knew that, you know, his brother's life had been changed. It was, it was a really, a really, a really cool moment. And, uh, you know, early on in my, my media career and my writing career. I hope these stories, the reason you wrote the book on them and others inspires perhaps a fan listening or an athlete listening to examine their own lives. Maybe they're struggling in their faith or they have no faith, but they've had some questions because as many of these stories will show, you can do anything with God and nothing without any thoughts possibly on maybe doing a second one of these, because there's been some wrestlers since you wrote the first book that have had similar stories. I, you know, I thought about it off and on over the years and it was funny you calling me uh, a few weeks ago to inquire about this, this uh, conversation really actually got me thinking again about it. And now I'm actually, you know, I'm still writing, but I'm also doing a lot of film work. And so I thought, man, you know, there usually could be a part two book, but also, you know, one of the big dreams that I have to maybe pursue in the next couple of years is to maybe do a second book and then maybe do um, a documentary series where each episode features an, one of these guys, you know, and especially kind of the newer guys. And when I say newer, I'm just saying anybody who's within the last 15 plus years sure. since this book came out. But, you know, you're talking about, you know, some, some interesting guys like Shawn Michaels. You mentioned him earlier, The Undertaker, um, you know, AJ Styles. Um, you know, there's just a lot of interesting guys that could be included in something like this, as well as Sting and uh ted dibiase and you know I, there's a lot you know um lash larue is a guy that i have lost touch with but he, he actually we, we were actually at one point trying to do an, uh, a children's book together and he was the animator and he'd drawn pictures for me i don't know if you remember oh, that's great. Lash LaRue from uh he was a louisiana guy and he's a youth pastor i think now he's doing ministry but but there's just a lot of crazy things that happened i got to meet mark marrow four years ago when he came through uh the area i saw him speak at a school about an hour from my house. And, and then I was like, you know, do you need a ride to the airport? And he's like, yeah. And I took him and his, his traveling partner to the airport and spent an hour talking to Mark Marrow. And I'd love to do something with him. His story is incredible. And, and just, there's so many great stories out there within the in, within that industry that really haven't been fully told on the faith side, because everybody's all fascinated about, you know, were you really mad at this guy? Were you really in a battle with that guy? 
you know. Yeah, one I've on loved to watch over the last several years has been Lex Luger. I mean, he's had some tough battles, but he's a very devout man in his faith. Lex is a guy, you know, I would love to include, you know, again, whether it's a, a book or a documentary series or something like that. I mean, uh, I mean, even I'm, I'm kind of fascinated with Chris Jericho. I'm not really sure. hundred uh, percent. You mentioned that. another one of my favorites, my friend, <laughs> but I'd love to, I'd love to find out more about him. Obviously some guys that I already talked to before, like Tatanka, who's very strong in his faith. Um, you know, I, I just, even I, I think he's still alive and doing well as superstar Billy Graham. He was a guy that I actually wanted to do uh, in the book, but I, could, I just couldn't make that contact. And, and he, um, you know, what a fascinating name, you know, Billy Graham. And, exactly and right. A believer and kind of somewhat of an evangelist in his own right. So I just, I think there's still a lot of room here to do something special. So I'm, I'm going to definitely be exploring the possibility of how can, how can I go find some funding to get maybe the early workings of a documentary series and start working on maybe, you know, putting together some chapters for a new book and maybe do that within the next couple of years, you know? Yeah, that would be a great project because again, there's so many, not just fresh faces that have gone through similar stories and experiences that obviously every story is a little different. But again, you mentioned people like the million dollar man, people like Steve Borden that have had, not just a continuing journey, but they've also impacted other lives. There's more story to their journeys to tell. And you can check out this book. It's an amazing book. Amazon is the best place to get it. And right now, I want to just implore you to check it out. WWG, it's Wrestling With God. Life's greatest battles don't happen in the ring. Ten stories of modern-day warriors who came face-to-face with the Creator. You're going to hear about other wrestlers as well, besides the ones that we, in brief, talked about today and the ones we mentioned in brief. Their stories are flushed out beautifully in that book. Check it out. Thank you so much again, Chad, for just taking some time and just breaking down this book and why it's important to you and the lives that have been touched through the the process and it's amazing to see that we have a couple of commonalities when it comes to pro wrestling so it's just been a real treat for me thanks once again well i appreciate it i've enjoyed talking about it even though it's been a while and it was the first of many books god's blessed me with the opportunity to write many more uh, actually the i think the information you had was a little outdated because i've actually been published over 35 times now in the last 20 22 years. So I'm, I'm just like, God really, uh, kind of took my dream and, and, uh, multiplied it way more than I thought he ever would. So, uh, it's been a great journey and this was the starting point. So this is a very special book for me and it always will be. Well, that's great. In about 30 seconds, what's, uh, the current goings on with Chad Bonham, anything particularly that you'd like to share? Yeah. You know, two years ago, I did a documentary with NFL player, Benjamin Watson, uh, as a pro-life film. And uh, we're actually talking about potentially uh, doing a, uh, a re-release with some new footage and putting it in theaters this fall. That's kind of on the, on the, on the, uh, the list of possibilities. I'm actually going to be doing some uh, filming coming up soon with Jonathan Kane from the band Journey for a new documentary series that I'm working on. He'll be a part of that. And then um, working on a, a book project with um, college football legend Tom Osborne. So it's, uh, you know, there's a cartoon series I'm working on uh, in the development with Larry the Cable Guy. <laughs> so it's a little all Oh, wow. You got a lot going on. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's getting ready to be a really crazy and fun and, and just amazing season. So uh, obviously, I'd love to be able to come back and, and share with maybe one or two of those. Yeah, that would be great. To, uh, as they start to come into 
kind of more development and, and start to actually get, you know, get into production and that sort of well, thing. It sounds like a lot of dynamic projects that are going to touch a lot of lives in various ways. They're all so different. So I'm excited to hear about this next time we chat. Yeah, looking forward to it. This has been great. Thank you, Noah, for, uh, for inviting me on. You're very welcome. Noah here on Across the County. Check him out. Chad Bonham. Now, this is one of his older works, but you can get it on Amazon. I, look up all of his works. Uh, I'm not going to mention them because I could spend another hour talking to this guy, and he's amazing. But look up Wrestling with God. Life's greatest battles don't happen in the ring. Ten stories of modern-day warriors who came face-to-face with the Creator. Check it out on Amazon, other places across the interwebs. Chad Bonham, we will talk to you next time here in Across the County. Thanks for joining us today. summer with AC Pro and O'Reilly Auto Parts. Right now, get a $15 O'Reilly Auto Parts gift card after mail-in rebate with the purchase of select AC Pro ready-to-use refrigerant products that include a hose and gauge. Beat the heat before you hit the road with AC Pro at your local O'Reilly Auto Parts store. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.